We are in Job chapter 22. Job 22, um, and we're beginning the uh, final um, the final set of uh, speeches, I believe. Um, here, um, I believe there's either three or four sets of speeches. I believe there's three. So, uh, so we're going to be going through these before we come to the conclusion when Elihu and God have to step in and say, "Hey, all right, slow down." Um, so, again, as, as usual, we'll just kind of take these in sections, um, and we're going to open up with the verse, verse one through four. And uh, I, I entitled this chapter, Eliphaz Jumps the Shark. Uh, so fans of the Brady Bunch will get that, and nobody else knows what that means. <laughs> so, um, Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, Can a man be profitable to God, though he who is wise may be profitable to himself? Is it any pleasure to the Almighty that you are righteous, or is it any gain to him that you make your ways blameless? Is it because of your fear of him that he corrects you and enters into judgment with you? So he makes here a, a leap of logic. Um, and you'll notice, I, I think, that, that he begins with a correct assumption. Like, there's, I think, in this whole chapter, two statements that I would agree with. One is where he begins and one is where he ends. And everything in between is completely off base. Uh, he says, can a man be profitable to God? Well, what does that mean? And how is that correct and how is that incorrect? I suppose we could look at it two ways. And one, one way we might conclude that's correct and one way we conclude it's incorrect. Can a man be profitable to God? Any use? Okay. So in the sense of we can be useful, right? So we can be profitable in that way. But what is, I think, what is Eliphaz's, um, or trying to project ourselves into Eliphaz, what is Eliphaz trying to say? He's not trying to say necessarily that we can be useful to God, but... Can we be righteous? Okay, can we be righteous? So, so that's been the discussion of this. Uh, has centered on man's righteousness and, and, and man's inability to be righteous. And I think in a sense, Eliphaz has one thing that's, that's correct here, and, and that is that in reality, I can't be profitable to God. Like, I can't, God there's nothing that God needs from me. Right? There's nothing that God goes, oh, man, if Andrew doesn't do this thing, I don't know what, how it's going to get done. Right? Like God's not like, counting on me. So, so in that sense, I think maybe that's where Eliphaz is coming from. And then I would agree with that. It doesn't mean that we can't be useful. Right? Like, like God can use me and I can be profitable to God and, and only because God allows me to have a role. But God doesn't need me. Um, so I think in that, uh, and, and I think that's where he says, can a man be profitable to God? Uh, as he is profitable to himself. Like, I'm profitable to myself because there's things that I need to get done and no one else is going to do it but me. Right? Uh, no one's going to come into my house and say, all right, this, this project needs to get done. Right? Uh, and, and I've got to do it. Like, we all have our own things that we're doing. So I'm profitable to myself because I, I need 
to do these things. So, um, so there's the incorrect assumption that I can't. He, he makes what's the leap? What is the leap that he takes from this kind of sort of right logic or beginning? And then he adapts it. And then what's his next? The next step is incorrect. Clearly. He, he, we, we do that sometimes. We, we project to the next level, and that's where we make our, our flaw. Right? And, and so he, he goes to another statement, which is completely incorrect. Which is what? He's a man wise. Okay. So, so, so verse 2, he's talking about man's profitable and wisdom in that relationship to God, but then he, from, from that point, Right. Obviously, I can't be wise on God's level. I can't be profitable on God's level. But now he, he makes a he makes a assertion about man and God in this relationship, and he denies that that man can do something. Righteous or blameless? Okay. Righteous or blameless in the sense of pleasing God. Now you can't please God. He goes from God doesn't need you to you can't even please God with your righteousness and, and with your wisdom. Well, that, that's a step of logic that, that I'm not willing to make. God, God talks about us pleasing him all the time. I can be pleasing to God. God has a scale that he allows human beings to exist in, obviously, that, that isn't uh, his standard. You know, in terms of, you know, if, if there was a being that was even close to God, you know, like living by that standard. I can't do that. God has a standard for humanity. He made me. He knows what I'm capable of. Um, and so in that sense, I can please him. Uh, and, and we know that Job has pleased God because God has stood up and he's, he's challenged uh, or accepted the challenge. Uh, actually, no, he's the one that initiated the challenge. I mean, Satan didn't even come to him with the challenge. Uh, God did. Uh, and and so, so there is a pleasure there. So um, is, it, is it because of your fear of him, then verse 4, that he corrects you and enters into judgment with you. Right? So what, he's, what is he questioning here? Uh, Eliphaz is questioning what? Is it because you fear judgment? Right. Oh, who is he saying is, has the potential fear in this? God. Does, is God afraid of you? You're, you're so... You're so impressive. You're so your your righteousness is so impressive. Do you think that? And so so what's the incorrect assumption in this? He makes yet one more incorrect assumption. Okay. All right. He's projecting that Job has said this. He and, and this is what's happened over the time is that that people start putting words into Job's mouth. Job's like, I never said that. <laughs> I've said the exact opposite. You know? uh, and, and so they, they project something onto Job which 
Job wasn't guilty of. Is, is it because you're so righteous that, that God fears you? It's like, I never said that. <laughs> exactly, it's a strong man argument. More logical fallacy. Uh, so, uh, so we then get into uh, verse 5 through 11, which is just an incredibly awful section of uh, this is you, you probably are familiar with some of the things here if you're familiar at all with Job um, <clears throat> he says is not your wickedness great and your iniquity is without end for you have taken pledges from your brother for no reason and stripped the naked of their clothing you've not given the weary water to drink and you have withheld bread from the hungry But the mighty man possessed the land, and the honorable man dwelled in it. You've sent the widows away empty, and the strength of the fatherless is crushed. Therefore, snares are all around you, and sudden fear troubles you. Darkness, so that you can't see, and an abundance of water covers you. Where did Eliphaz get these accusations from? Because now we're, we're getting specific. He's... He's making specific accusations. Where does he get these from? He doesn't even, you know, he doesn't even say, maybe you've done this. Is it possible you did this? Or I think you might have done this. He's, you've done these things. Could have been hearsay. People as enemies. All right. I think that's probably, he's quoting, it seems like he's quoting again. And then they've quoted the old people, and it seems like, and and this is how maybe it started out as as hearsay, right? It started out as, well, he probably did this, and then pretty soon, after enough people say he probably did this, it becomes, you did this. (laughs) Uh, What starts out as rumor becomes accepted fact. Uh, and, and that's just, that's life. And you can imagine that happening right? in, in, a, in a world where Job has become despised even by his own slave. Right? His own slave won't listen to him. He's like, can you go get me some bread? No. He's like, can you go get me some, uh, uh, I need something for my, some medicine? No, not listening. Uh, in a world where everybody has turned against him, you can imagine the stories that go on, and it just ends up becoming a, a, a history, you know, perception is reality sort of thing. Uh, but these are uh, in, incredible, I mean, the audacity that they have to, to, to assert these specifics. What are the specifics? And you can even look at the progression, right? It used to be, well, maybe you've done something. Right? And now we're, we're to the point where it's specifics. And it's not just, like if you go back a couple of chapters, a couple of speeches, it was like you've done some secret thing. Like, like it was an isolated thing. You've done something. Now, he's, now Eliphaz's position is what? You're guilty. You're guilty of everything. <laughs> You, you, you're completely evil. It's not just there's a hidden sin that you have. Now there's, you've never done anything right in your life. That's why this is so bad. Um, 
In, in, in each of these accusations, you can imagine, what do we know about Job's family that is still remaining? What did he say about his mother's children? Remember that? He's like, they don't, even my own family, my, my, my mother's own children, they don't talk to me, they don't want to have anything to do with me. Look at what he says, look at what Eliphaz says. Um, he says, you've taken pledges from, from your brothers. You can, you can already see the, the family. <laughs> the family's in on it. You know, maybe these were less successful brothers who have always been jealous of Job. You can see now that the statements, and they're collecting this. And, and it seems like an airtight case against Job. Uh, so, so you have those. You've taken clothing from, uh, uh, from people, that, the naked. You, you, they, don't, they don't already don't have clothes, and you've, you've taken what they have. Well, who, who can you imagine coming up with that accusation? Who's coming up with that accusation? If it's not Eliphaz. If Eliphaz isn't creating this out of it, that's still a possibility that Eliphaz is just looking for something and just imagining all of this. Right. Own... He wants Job's stuff. Okay. All right. People who are jealous. Somebody, somebody who's, who's a poor person and has always seen Job, you know, and always figured out, you know, try to figure out how they could get something. Right. Uh, maybe the slaves in his own house. Uh, you're inhospitable to the needy. Where, where does that come from? You're inhospitable to the needy. Well, a lot of these things are laws that they were supposed to follow. Okay. The Jewish laws. You know, okay. You, know, you, you take care of the widows. You, you're supposed to feed. You know, yeah. You know. So they basically, you're hitting them. You're breaking them. You know, okay. On top of And I, I think even in, in even in other cultures there were some of these rules. Um, you know, like if you, I, I think there's stuff like this in like Hammurabi's code. I think has some of this stuff. Um, I don't know how detailed, but but a lot of these other cultures had basic principles like this. Um, but have you ever been hospitable and and helped somebody out, and then as soon as you stop, the accusations you never do this. Really? Do we want to tally up how much money has gone into something? But as soon as you stop, well, you're not hospitable. You don't take care of somebody. And I can imagine how hospitable and how generous Job was. Right, right. So, so now that he's now that he has nothing, and, and the accusations are starting to fly, you know, and, and, and as things go, people are projecting things, right? Well, that's probably true. That's the, right. Sure. Right. If 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 you have a if you have a a gravy train, right, and that source dries up, right, there's you get disgruntled. You don't care if the person has it or doesn't have it. The focus becomes you. And I, I think there's an element of that that's not new. It, it's, it's just a, there's an element within that culture 
that, that always exists. Um, so, uh, so I think you can see where these aren't just creations of Eliphaz, where Eliphaz might be listening to things uh, and hearing things, and he's amassing a case. You know, there might be weeks in between these speeches, and, and, and like, okay, I've quoted the old men, you know, from generations ago. I really need something more of substance. So he starts talking to people. And, and, and well, I'm finding out all this stuff. Job, this is what you've done. We, we've discovered it. So, um, so there's a misrepresentation of, of, of Job, I think, uh, in verse 12. And, and we, we already talked about this, beginning of verse 12. I mean, there's just rephrasing or, or uh, projecting thoughts onto people. Uh, so in, in verse 12 through 20, he says, Is not God in the height of heaven? And see the highest stars, how lofty they are. And you say, What does God know? Can he judge through the deep darkness? Thick clouds cover him so that he cannot see now. So now he's quoting Job. This is what you say, Job. Uh, Thick clouds cover him so he can't see, and he walks above the circle of the heaven. And will you keep to the old way which wicked men have trod, who were cut down before their time, whose foundations were swept away by the flood? They say to God, Depart from us. What can the Almighty do to them? Yet he filled their houses with good things, but the counsel of the wicked is far from me. And the righteous... Uh, see it and are glad and the innocent left them. Surely our adversaries are cut down and the fire consumes their remnant. So, uh, what is his accusation of Job's logic? He accuses Job of having a particular logic or frame of mind. Common logic. You say God will never see. Right? And I think people who are wicked do have that idea. They, no one will ever find out. And they project that God is one of those people. Now, people might not ever find out. Obviously, we know God does. Uh, and so they. Now, Job has never said that. I've not, I've not read that. This is a projection. Um, I often wonder when people project things if it's not their own logic. You know, I wonder if Eliphaz has thought this at some point in time. Um, and he goes through a bunch of semantics that really don't have much of a point. He tries to reestablish. Job has been attacking. What what logic throughout several chapters has Job been attacking? It's a basic premise of the, the three people has been what? That he deserves what he's getting. Okay, so, so that everything happens for a reason. Uh, the wicked suffer. Uh, righteous people always have it wonderful. Job has constantly attacked that assumption. And so here he is, he's trying to reestablish that point. You, whatever your main point is, you don't want to lose that in, in any discussion. This is what we... You got to hold on to that. Right? So, so everything is around this assumption. If, if he loses that assumption, then Eliphaz and the three people or two people that are with him have nothing. And this is their assumption. This is what their their premise of their assault on Job is. So, 
so he's trying to reestablish that. Uh, and um, he refers to Job's statement that they do prosper in order to disavow Job. Now, Job has not said anything that um, Eliphaz asserts in terms of the leap of logic. But, um, but it's interesting. Uh, he says, uh, well, since you do this, you're, he kind of disqualifies you. You're disqualified because you said this. If you remember in Jesus in his trials, there's kind of a similar logic that, that they, they use. Uh, they're trying to set up a, a, a case against Christ, and they're failing horribly at it, right? And so um, at some point, Jesus says something that, that they think they can use. As a, ah, he's, we've heard it from his own mouth. We don't have to go any further. We don't have to prove our point. Right? And I, I think he does, that, that Job's friends kind of jump to that. He says, um, uh, let's see where we're at here. Um, Will you keep to the old way which wicked men have trod, who were cut down before their time, whose foundations were swept away by the flood? They say to God, depart from us. What can the Almighty do to them? That he filled their houses with good things. Uh, so, uh, so in this section, Eliphaz is he's establishing uh, Job's, or he's trying to position Job's argument. Will you, will you, this is what wicked people say, you're saying it so we can disavow you, just on the basis of you're using the same logic as wicked people. So therefore, it invalidates your entire position. Will you keep to these wicked, this wicked logic, the, 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 the things that wicked people say? They say these things, that, that, uh, that good things happen to, to bad people. That's what wicked people say. So therefore, your position is invalid because you've asserted this. Right? So we're going to dismiss what you say uh, completely. Um, and so then we move to verse 21, uh, and I think Eliphaz really shows his hand here. He says, Now acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Thereby good will come to you. Receive, please, instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. You will remove iniquity far from your tents. Then you will lay your gold in the dust and the gold of Ophir among the stones of the brooks. The Almighty will be your gold and precious silver, for you will have your delight in the Almighty, and lift up your face to God, and you will make your prayer to him. He will hear you, and you will pay your vows. You will declare a thing, and it will be established, and so light <clears throat> will shine on your ways. When they cast you down, and you say, exaltation will come, then he will save the humble person, and he will even deliver the one who is not innocent. Uh, in other words, you're not innocent, but God will forgive you and if, you, if you say so, and everything will be wonderful again. Uh, and he will deliver the one who is not innocent, yet he will be delivered by the purity of your hands. So, uh, overall, there's, again, as I said, it kind of concludes with a, a true thing, is if you return to God, God will lift you up. Right? That, that's throughout Scripture. Right? But what does, what does Eliphaz... In this speech, Eliphaz kind of reveals his hand, as I say. What does he determine this 
this reward as? What does he seem focused on? Material restoration. It's gold. That's the thing that of all the of all the situations that happened to Job, the thing that struck Eliphaz the most is obviously losing your wealth. I can tell you right now, of all the things Job lost, that is the least of his concerns. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was, you know, when I read it, I kind of got a different, because um, I, I almost got, you know, reading through this, and it felt like, you know, almost like a reiteration of Isaiah 58, you know, where it talks about true religion, and then it talks about if you do these things, and, yeah. you know, then you'll be restored to repent, right? Yeah, yeah. But it almost, the way I read this, and I could be wrong, but he said, um, then you know you do all these, then you will lay your gold in the dust and the gold of Ophir among the stones of the brook. It's almost like okay you're you're gonna you're gonna discard that as important and then yes the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. Uh, so it almost sounds to me like he's saying um, you're gonna get you know, these are the spiritual gifts that you're gonna value yeah. at that point. You're gonna be restoring God's sight. Okay. Uh, I, I was kind of, I had the picture of like you're gonna build with gold like like. Here's your here's your dust. Here's everything that all your wealth has become nothing. You're gonna you're gonna build with gold almost. That's kind of how I, I, I. So it's interesting. Like there's all these different perspectives of Job whenever you read it. Uh, but he does like he's, either way. He seems focused on the gold. There's no there's no that's his that's his mental image. It's like like uh, rich dad poor dad, you know. That's the the ideal of success. There's there's this is this is what it is. Success, gold, and that's what all his images are. There's no there's no your family will be restored, you know, uh, security, like like safety. It's, it's all the gold. Uh, and and I, I wonder if that's just because that's what his priorities were in his own life. If his his Personal thing was running after gold, um, and I, I think that's what resonated with him. And he's trying to appeal to Job using what's important to, to him personally. Now, in this chapter uh, that we we're going to start, uh, and I, I want to run through it. I'm, the, actually, it's the next two chapters. It's Job's. Job goes back to two chapter uh, replies here. Um, now, I don't want to get too deep into these, uh, but I think there are some general things in these that, that Job really is going to show. I think that starting from this chapter, this is where God's upset and Elihu's upsetness, if that's a word, uh, really starts. Um, so in uh, 23, um, he says that Job answered and said, uh, even today, my complaint is bitter. My hand is listless because of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. I would present my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me uh, and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend to me in his great power? No, but he would take note of me. And there the upright could reason with him, and I would be delivered from my judge. So to this point, 
how has Job phrased, what's, what's the transition, we could say? What's, what's the change here in this type of argument from Job? There's something that's significantly different from previous times that he's used this type of language. He's talked about <laughs> presenting cases and stuff with God before. What's different? Oh, okay, his tone, you kind of read it with a little bit of anger. Maybe I mean, it might not be there. We could be reading into that. Well, he seems, he seems uh, he's reached the point of desperation where it almost seems like he doesn't even know where to find God. At yeah. point. He's like, I don't even know where he is. If okay. I knew where he was, if I could find him, if he was yeah. able to talk to him, I would say this to him. But he's, okay. he's completely lost hope of... You know, I don't even know where he is. Okay, yeah, so there's, a, there's an element of that, like, I wish I knew where God was, and it's transitioned because of that. To this point, it was a hypothetical. If, if I was to do a case with God, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, now he's like, I wish I could. He's made a leap, like, before he recognized that that's an impossibility. And now the barrier to him is not the impossibility or God's height and his lowliness, but now the, the, the impeding factor is I just don't know where he is. Because if, I mean, look at the assumptions in here. If I could, I would, and he would shut up and listen to me. That's essentially what he's saying. <laughs> this, we know at the beginning, and I think sometimes we project some early statements about Job over the whole, chat, over the whole book of Job. Remember the, the beginning in all these things, Job did not sin with his mouth. And I wonder if now, kind of I read those back, and from this point, I wonder if that statement is in the beginning, because there's going to come a point at which he does. Like that statement, to this point, Job hasn't sinned with his mouth. And to this point, Job hasn't sinned with his mouth. But you will not find that statement after these. Right? And when you look at... When, when God decides to, God says, okay, we're going to give you your chance. That's coming. <laughs> um, and uh, you'll have your chance to fill your mouth with words, and we'll see, see how that turns out for you. Um, oh, I wish I knew where to find him. He's going to find him. How is he going to find God? In the shape of a what? This is in a whirlwind. God's going to come to him in a whirlwind, like a tornado. <laughs> God's like, okay, you wanted to find me? Here I am. <laughs> this is what I look like as, as close as you can approximate. Speak to me. Fill your mouth with words. Yeah. Well, yeah, in 7 it says, there the upright could reason with me, yeah. and I would be delivered forever from my judge. Well, there, there's two things in there that are, you know, where, you know, where there's a pretty serious allegation against God. Number one, that there's somebody that's better than him because if, if there's some upright people that could reason with him, yeah. then that means that his, his thinking isn't right. These other people are right, right. whatever they are in there, and he needs to be corrected. Right. And then secondly, that since what he's doing is wrong, that he would be delivered. Right. You know, that means that God would undo something, some wrong that he's doing because right. these upright people set him straight. Yeah. Like, yeah. So what happens is... Uh, 
we talked about like doing the going out to extremes. If you think of it now in a circle, where Job kind of goes out a little, or the, the the friends do, and he does, and he does, and he does, he does, and they're meeting at the exact opposite wrong position. They 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 both come like all the way opposite of God. Right? They both started out like you're a little off, and maybe you got a little off, and. And now they're both way, and they've kind of met at the same, you know, uh, not the same position, but but equally opposite of, of anything respectful of God. Uh, and so uh, Job just, uh, I think, keeps digging uh, his hole a little bit deeper. He says, I go forward, but he's not there. I go backwards. I can't perceive him when he works on the left. I can't behold him. And we see he's said some of these things before. Uh, we drop down a little bit more. I have not departed, verse 12, from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. But he's unique. Who can make him change? And whatever his soul desires, that's what he does. He performs what's appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Therefore, I am terrified at his presence. And when I consider this, I'm afraid of him, for God made my heart weak, and the Almighty terrifies me because I was not cut off from the presence of darkness, and he did not hide deep darkness from my face. And there's one. There's a couple of assumptions. What are the incorrect assumptions of God? So Eliphaz is not the only one making false assumptions here. That's why I say they kind of both end up at the same point, making false assumptions about God. What are Job's false assumptions? Ones that's repeated, of course. God does all these things. It's God doing all these things. We've noted that, of course, he doesn't really have the ability to know what's going on. But there's one other false assumption in here that's a little bit dangerous. He puts God in a box, doesn't he? He's unique. Who can make him change? Now, no one can make him change, but there's almost like the assumption, I think, that, that God never changes, that, that that God doesn't ever listen to us. That that I mean, so what's the point of prayer? If something's happening, it, what's the point of prayer if, if what is happening is what God wants and God never changes things? Why would I pray? God, this is happening. <laughs> can you change this? Well, if God's determined that this is going to be, then what Job is saying is my entire prayer life has been a sham. <laughs> What's the point? So there's an incorrect logic. Um, I'm, I'm reading, I read it in context, and I'm reading through, uh, you know, starting at verse 8, and, you know, where he, he does, verse 8 and 9, and he does talk about um, that he doesn't perceive God. Right. It almost seems like he's putting the blame on himself. Sure. I don't, I don't right. see yeah. But then afterwards, in 10, he, he affirms something really cool. He says, but he knows the way that I take. Uh, and then he, he almost, mm-hmm. and this, I thought this was really cool, because he, he says, uh, when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Mm-hmm. So in other words, he almost, and it's almost like he knows he's being tested, and he knows that God sees him. He hears yep. it, and he sees what's going on. Yep. But he's like, I can't, right. I can't perceive it. Right. Um, so it, it's, it's interesting that he... <clears throat> And then he reaffirms that he, you know, that he's held his his commands. Right. You know, he didn't he didn't sin. Right. So so he's answering Eliphaz like none of the stuff that you've said, and he's gonna he's gonna get specific in twenty four. We'll get through that a little bit. But uh, uh, 
And I, I think that's a, that's a good point. He's, he constantly, you see a fluctuation in Job. Like throughout Job, you'll see like this really down, and then he tries to, but I know my Redeemer. Right? And I will come out as gold. And he's, like, like it's, he's trying to vocalize that, I think not for Eliphaz's sake so much as for his own sake. I'm, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to make it through this somehow. Uh, there's, that, there's that optimism in, 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 I think that he has, or he's trying to maintain just a question, philosophical question, because we keep, we, this came up several times during the study, but, did, you know, we keep saying that God isn't doing it, right? right? And, you know, from a worldly perspective, you know, uh, especially having been a military guy, right, uh, the, the commander holds ultimate responsibility for what happened, sure. regardless of whether they did it themselves or not. And in God's case, where he's omnipresent, omniscient, everything else, isn't it fair to say that God, you know, if God allowed the, the adversary to do these things and not kill him, isn't it almost the same as it's coming from God? Okay, so, so that is a philosophical point, I think, more than... I don't know how much it affects practically, uh, because then God allows evil in the world. So, so are we going to put that on God? Uh, because if, if, if that... I think it's, that's more like a human definition of things. Um, or if... If we're going to attribute based on what, you know, I guess by proxy God does it, you know, if by allowing he, he does it, then God sins by proxy because he allows it. So I don't know that I would, I, God doesn't seem to take that to himself. God, that's the point of free choice is, all right, you want to try it? Go ahead, do it. Uh, I, God takes the position of preventative in Job. You can't do this. This I will not let this. This is my action is preventative. This is what you can't do. The rest is on you. So, so I, I don't think I would. I, I don't attribute. I mean that's. But again, it's just that's more just like you say. It's just a philosophical point. I want to get into chapter 24 a little bit. Uh, it says uh, Job is complaining. He says since times are not hidden from the Almighty. <clears throat> why do not? Uh, why do those who know Him? How come they don't see his days? Some remove landmarks. They seize flocks violently and feed on them. They drive away the donkey of the fatherless. They take the widow's ox as a pledge. They push the needy off the road, and the poor of the land are forced to hide. Indeed, like wild donkeys in the desert, they go out to do their work, searching for food. The wilderness yields food for them and for their children. They gather their fodder in the field and glean in the vineyard of the wicked. They spend the night naked without clothing and have no covering in the cold. Uh, they, uh, they are wet with the showers of the mountains and huddle around the rock for lack of shelter. Some snatch the fatherless uh, from the breast and take the pledge from the poor. And they cause the poor to go naked without clothing and they take away their sheaves from the hungry. They press oil within their walls and they tread wine presses, yet they suffer thirst. And the dying groan in the city and the souls of the wounded cry out, and yet God does not charge them with wrong. So we go back to the assertion. Now, what did Eliphaz do? He tried to get specific, right? So Job here is going to say, you want to get specific, let's get specific. Um, they've had the general assertion that, well, good things happen to good people, bad things happen. And so he gives a bunch of specific situations. Um, I mean, and, and there's just a litany of, of things throughout these verses. 
And so, beginning from verse 12, Job, based on all these things, he rebuts their position. Um, and it's interesting. So, so I want to read verse 12 here through the end. He says, The dying groan in the city, and the souls of the wounded cry out, but God does not charge them with wrong. There are those who rebel against the light. They don't know his ways or abide in its paths. The murderer rises with the light. He kills the poor and needy. And in the night, he's like a thief. The eye of the adulterer waits for the twilight, saying, no one will see me. There's that quote again. So he uses their own logic against them. He disguises his face. In the dark, they break into houses, which they marked for themselves in the daytime. They do not know the light, for the morning is the same to them as the shadow of death. If someone recognizes them, they are the terrors of the shadow of death. They should be swift on the face of the waters. Their portion should be cursed in the earth so that no one would turn into the way of the vineyards. As drought and heat consume the snowy water, so the grave consumes those who have sinned. The womb should forget him. The worm should feed sweetly on him. And he should be remembered no more. And wickedness should be broken like a tree. For he preys on the barren who do not bear and does no good for the widow. But God draws the mighty away with his power. He rises up. No man is sure of life. He gives them security, and they rely on it. Yet his eye is on their ways. They are exalted for a little while, then they are gone. They are brought low. They are taken out of the way like all others. They dry out like the heads of grain. Now, if it isn't so, who will prove me to be a liar and make my speech worth nothing? So, um, I want to go through this just uh, a little bit. He says, those who cause the suffering are those who rebel against the light. Uh, have you heard about, does anybody know what the, the concept of natural law is? And natural law is just the idea, and in fact, Clarence, Clarence Thomas is a couple of our Supreme Court justices who say, listen, there's just right and wrong. We just know right and wrong. There's some things that we all just know. And this is kind of what Job is saying. There's, there's people that rebel against the light. They just, this is what everybody should know. Uh, and who is it who suffers? Who suffers from people who rebel? This is Job's rebutting. Who who suffers? The poor, the needy. Okay. He's using their own position, isn't he? Job has just been accused of hurting the needy, the poor, uh, the people who need generosity, and all these people. He's like, okay, so here's your position is that I've hurt these people... And yet you say that it's the suffering people who are guilty. Right? So by your logic, Eliphaz, these people were in the wrong because they're the ones who would be suffering, not me. Right? I, I, I'm doing, uh, if they're suffering, and suffering happens because you're bad, then what bad did these people do? They must have done something bad because they're suffering. We recognize, right, uh, and I'm saying I'm, I'm putting myself in Job's spot. You and I recognize that these are the groups of people that suffer. We're, we're both agreeing on that. But you're classifying the the poor and the innocent, the children, right? all these people. You're classifying as the ones that are suffering and, and having all the negative things, and yet. He says, God doesn't charge anybody with wrong. Now, that doesn't mean literally 
obviously God's going to eventually, because he, he talks about that at the end, eventually it's going to catch up with them. What he's saying is God doesn't charge them with wrong right in the moment when we all want it. So your position of, I did something wrong, therefore I'm suffering now, that doesn't, we know. We, well, you and I both get upset when, when people seem to get away with it. It just, oh, it angers us. And we want justice. Uh, and yet, who dies early? The victims. The victims die early. If you happen, he, he mentions, if you happen to catch somebody doing wrong while they're doing it, they recognize you. Right? Witness intimidation, right? <laughs> All that stuff. That's old. <laughs> he describes that situation. They're like the, the terror of darkness. All those things. The, the, the people that's, that die early deaths tend to be the victims of evil. The other people will eventually, yes. It catches up with them, yes. But your entire position that I'm suffering now because I must have just done something evil, it doesn't. And, and what's his concluding thought? I've laid out this case. You know, I thought it was interesting. He's talking about all the people who are doing it are evil, are doing yeah. it not in the light, but in the darkness. Yes. Which, so not everybody that is with us, what they're talking about, so no one will see me. So it's more sneaky. Right. Whereas they're saying, <coughs> we've done this, we've seen you done this. Yeah. And he's making the claim that most people are doing that or doing it kind of in the Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent point. It's like, here you've got this great body of evidence against me. I should have been doing this where no one saw. How do you know all this stuff? Right? That, is a, that is a good point. How, do you, how did you figure this out if, if I did this in darkness? Um, it was a really good point. Uh, and, and so he comes to the end. He's like, all right, so now... If it's not so, if all of my arguments, now that you wanted to get specific, so I've been specific, prove me wrong. Take my argument apart piece by piece. Don't just keep repeating your same thing. Prove me wrong. Let me see. But both of them have the same assumptions about humanity, but he's showing them how their viewpoint of humanity is, they're using a wrong logic to interpret it. So we are over time, so we're going to conclude there.